I have never waited this last minute to start recording for a podcast. It's Tuesday, and my episodes go up Wednesday morning. So I'm really flirting with the possibility of posting late, but we're not going to do it, okay? We haven't even done 10 episodes before I start flaking. It's not going to happen. So today I'm going to have to record and edit and do all the promotionary materials like the episode post and the caption for Instagram and then the little blurb that goes in the description blah 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 all these things just a lot so um I pray that the Lord blesses me with good first takes and no technological difficulties and just um some nice good blessings and baraka for this recording session because bestie I just can't do it today like really 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 in a time crunch and I have like other obligations that I have to fulfill um so you know what pray for me pray for your girl and if you're listening to this at 8 a.m on Wednesday know that I did it and know that it was with the power of the Lord Almighty and with his blessings that I was able to do so Welcome to the 8th episode of Venting Sesh. I'm your host, Amhani Suger. Thank you for tuning in. Ramadan Mubarak, y'all! I hope this month is filled with blessings, self-improvement, and just overall good vibes. I swear, every time Ramadan rolls around, it's just at the perfect timing. So, alhamdulillah, we made it to this holy time of year. Part of the beauty of Ramadan, for me anyways, is a renewed sense of community and camaraderie. Millions of Muslims around the world are fasting from dawn till dusk and dedicating more time to worship and doing good deeds. Whether it be reading the Qur'an, volunteering at community iftars, or praying extra prayers at the masjid. It's definitely not easy this year as we enter the umpteenth wave of COVID and the 666th lockdown, which really just feels like one extended lockdown because who's even been leaving their houses anyways? It's whack because city officials will announce a stay-at-home order, acting like they did something revolutionary, Newsflash, that's what we've been doing. At least those of us who are considerate of other people's health and safety and the overall well-being of the world. But I digress. Because the pandemic is not the topic of today's session. Although the Lord knows I could certainly vent about that for 20 minutes straight. No, dear friends, this episode was inspired by my soul-crushing, mind-numbing, anger-invoking part-time customer service job that's only become even more insufferable in light of the fatal virus sweeping the nation. I've just been having bad day after bad day at work. And it's not just rude customers. Those I can tolerate. It's the management that's giving me a hard time. And I'm only being tame because it's Ramadan and I'm trying to be good, which means no bad words and no backbiting. But also because I still work there, And those blood-sucking leeches either create spies out of their employees or are spies themselves because they always find out if you talk smack about them and they always confront you about it. They're like high school bullies who have drama with everyone and feel the need to enforce what little power they hold in the playground to cope with their insecurities and feelings of powerlessness outside of it. They work miserable jobs to sustain their miserable lives and because misery loves company, They make their employees' experiences at that establishment all the more unbearable. 
and I'm sure that a main reason why they're so relentless and detestable is because they're receiving directions from higher-ups to increase productivity and enforce new rules and limits and cut hours to save costs and whatever the hell else will make the company money. And that's a lot of pressure. So they take their sour mood and unload it onto their subordinates, who then take it out on customers, who take it out on their children, who steal other kids' lunch money in an effort to exercise some form of agency. It's a big, ugly, vicious cycle. And all that's got me thinking about the inescapable plague that is capitalism. Let's talk about it. Capitalism is an economic system dominant in the Western world in which most means of production are privately owned and production is guided and income is distributed largely through the operation of markets. And that definition I got straight from the Encyclopedia Britannica. I know, we're evolving. <laughs> of course, in more layman's terms, Capitalism is when people make money selling the things they create with the things they own. One of the earliest forms of this was mercantile capitalism, which was an economic system prevalent in the 13th century across the Eastern world, and is said to have been founded by Muslims. Yay, us! <laughs> the way it worked was that merchants would often borrow money to buy a product and then pay the money back with interest once the product was sold. Everyone was happy! The customer was getting access to something that they wouldn't otherwise have had access to, the merchant was making money through their profits, and the loaner was making money through interest. By the 19th century, industrial capitalism, which is the more contemporary variety of capitalism, saw its rise in Britain. Industrial capitalism introduced machines and technology as a way of increasing production more efficiently. Industrial capitalism, take a shot every time I say industrial capitalism, <laughs> and die. Um, okay. Industrial capitalism was beneficial at first. Food was costing less to produce because farmers were investing in better equipment. People had more money to spend because wages had remained the same despite the decreases in cost. And the extra income meant that folks could spend money on things besides the bare necessities which meant that people now had different ways to earn a living making those non-essentials. But it wasn't long before everything started rolling down the proverbial hill. In an effort to bolster productivity and make more money, persons of means were able to acquire the land that farmers worked on, which impoverished the workers who now had to pay for their fields and give up a good portion of their income to their landowners. So, Britain took something that was arguably more accessible to the masses and turned it into something that only a select few people could actually benefit from. But that's just Britain for ya. Taking a good thing and sucking the life right out of it since the 1600s. And that was just the beginning. I've prepared a short list of why capitalism bad, but before I get into it, let's identify some key players. First, there's those who own the means of production, Marx's bourgeoisie, the 1%, if you will. For the purposes of this session, I'll be calling them the capitalists. Second, we have those who only have their labor to offer, Marx's proletariat, the 99%, the common folk, for the purposes of this session, the workers. Finally, there's the consumers, 
who aren't necessarily a distinct class because everyone who lives in a capitalist society is a consumer of goods and services. It's just a different role we take on. Now that you know the cast, let's get into the problems with the system they occupy. We'll start with the basics. In order to make money, a capitalist must implement the following tricks. Take notes if you too are a soulless creature who has no problem exploiting others. Tip 1. Capitalists employ workers for long hours. This ensures that more work can get done and more projects can get finished in a day. After all, time is money. And what use is a 24-hour period if you don't dedicate a third of it sometimes more, to breaking your back so that you can stuff the pockets of someone who makes more in an hour sitting on their behind than you make in a week standing on your own two legs. Of course, capitalists have to be careful when they schedule such long hours, which leads us to mm, tip number two. To really maximize profit, capitalists offer their workers low wages. This way, they can really get a bang for their buck. After all, what good are long shifts if you have to pay your employees livable wages throughout? But that's not enough, dear friends. Tip 3. Capitalists must cut costs wherever they can, which means the most miserable working conditions. Dingy bathrooms, tiny break rooms, short breaks, unpaid lunches, and that's just the cushy stuff. Workers may need to do a lot of heavy lifting, operate dangerous machines, be exposed to toxic chemicals, stuff that's just not worth the cost to fix. Now, there are plenty of regulating bodies made to ensure that the really bad stuff doesn't happen. Unions and health and safety inspectors are charged with the responsibility of protecting workers' rights and looking after them to make sure their literal lives aren't at risk when they're on the job. You know, the bare minimum like the wages were paid. But not every worker can afford such luxuries. Tip number four. To skip all the drama of protecting workers, capitalists will often outsource labor. They'll build sweatshops in countries where there are significantly less regulations. They get to pay workers even less, and they can employ children who are paid close to nothing and are often easier to overpower and intimidate which means no more counterproductive strikes and other expensive demands. But all of the aforementioned workers are the lucky ones. Because if you're not working, you're unemployed. And if you're unemployed in a cutthroat capitalist society, then good luck, bud. No more access to the industries required for a decent quality of life, like healthcare, housing, education, food which have been so conveniently commodified by capitalists so that even when consumers don't have the funds to afford their wants, they have to find a way to pay up for their needs. You see, when spinning a profit is the driving force of a society, very unethical decisions are made. In fact, give me any ethical dilemma that we've faced since the dawn of industrial capitalism, and I'll find a way to connect the two. The genocide of indigenous peoples? Well, that was just a way to take over this land and its valuable resources, so that Satan, sorry, the British Empire, could expand and make more money selling these resources. Slavery? Well, that's pretty evident. Slaves didn't even get paid for their labor, so all the money that was made by slave owners was theirs to keep. 
Colonialism as a whole is just a means of exploiting the resources and labor of other countries in order to plummet their economy so that the economy of the colonizer ascends by default. The war that often results from this is a great way to breed fear and patriotism in the people, and those are two impeccable ingredients for control. And control means power, and power is money. Clearly, capitalists will do just about anything for the coin, and because society is controlled by these capitalists, workers also have to do whatever they can to make money. This can mean robbing one another, selling illicit substances, and the nasty drug wars that come with that, murdering for hire, the list goes on and on. And despite the clear discrepancies, capitalist societies still attempt to create this illusion of meritocracy. If you just work hard enough, you too can be a billionaire. <laughs> but that's not true at all. Capitalism exists because someone has to be at the bottom in order for powerful people to stay on top. And this has nothing to do with hard work and everything to do with the cycle of poverty and intergenerational wealth and which classes of people disproportionately experience each of these things. It's not like the 1% resemble a campus brochure. There is no diversity there, folks. And no matter how hard someone works, if they grew up poor, they're not likely to become mega rich because you have to spend money to make it. Spend money on a home in a good neighborhood so that you can go to a good school and get into a good expensive university so that you can make connections with other rich people and get a good job to make a lot of money. But people will still advocate for the system, arguing that capitalism breeds innovation. And to that, I recommend It's Divya's video, The Death of Originality, where she argues that, for media anyways, Capitalism has just created plagiarizers out of everyone, who see a cool idea and then steal it so they can make money off of it, or just copy-paste the same successful idea so that they can milk it for all it's worth. But um honey, you cry, without the free market, monopolies will reign supreme. And I'm not talking about little mustache men in top hats running amok. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. A monopoly means that one entity body, enterprise, whatever you want to call it, will control everything, and citizens will have no choice but to pay the prices that are enforced, that are enforced, can't speak, at the whim of this singular creature. But I take your fear of monopoly, and I raise you a conglomerate. And I'm no econ major, but those two seem awfully similar to me. Think Disney, Google, Facebook, and how they literally own everything. And I'm aware that I just named three multi-billion dollar companies that are in control of more or less the same industry, which asserts that there is in fact competition, which is the antithesis of monopoly. But capitalism is just bad, okay? Stop arguing with me. Because I overthink every single action I take and how it impacts my community, my society, and the world as a whole, I try my very best to make ethical and environmentally sustainable decisions when shopping. Because as much as I hate capitalism, I love to spend money.
<laughs> There's actually this saying in Derija that goes like, which literally translates to, does money eat you? It sounds funny, but it refers to someone who can't hold on to their coin. They just have to spend it, i.e. a shopaholic. <laughs> my parents used that phrase a lot to describe me once they started letting me keep my Eid money. But could you blame me? I was deprived for so long. Your girl was just making up for lost time. I didn't even buy toys or things that I would soon get bored of. I bought clothes, or shrawat, as my parents like to call them. That means rags, by the way. They weren't particularly fond of my taste in fashion, but it's fine. And I did buy some ugly stuff that ended up going out of style a couple months later. And that's just the thing too. We get all this advertising shoved down our throats, telling us to buy this and buy that, and associating material objects with abstract notions of coolness, popularity, beauty, sex appeal. My spending habits are significantly better now because I learned how much work it takes to make a dollar, but also because there's like no way for me to spend a large amount of money without feeling guilty for the child that had to slave over that item just for me to be able to afford it on my student salary. But even the expensive designer brands have been shown to use child labor and sweatshops and I'm really just starting to learn that there really is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Because whatever you buy, someone else's labor was exploited in order to bring that product to you, or that service to you. So I just buy my stuff from thrift stores and repurpose hand-me-downs and pray to God that something changes when I find a cute top at H&M because I'm only human and being socially conscious is hard. The other thing about capitalism, and maybe even consumption, is just how inefficient the distribution of wealth is. I mean, capitalism would be fine if most people weren't starving to death while a select few gorge on $2,000 squid ink and gold foil topped pizzas that taste like crap just for the opulence of it all. And people have talked about this stuff forever. The issue of spending disposable income on non-essential items was criticized by philosophers like John Ruskin, who argued that the disadvantages of capitalism are furthered by people's increased appetites for, quote, absurd things like fancy plates, embroidered napkins, cheap shirts with delicate collars. He forgot to add 24-karat solid gold toilets and diamond-encrusted luxury vehicles. And this is the ridiculous stuff that gets auctioned for bajillions of dollars, and that's a technical term, when a couple people get access to a majority of the world's wealth. They literally don't know what to do with themselves. So they buy things that have no use value. Because what need is really being satisfied by an $8,000 Louis Vuitton skateboard? <laughs> Anti-capitalists argue that an economic system is meant to serve humans, not the other way around. And capitalism is doing a poor job of that. It's inefficient in that its ability to maximize human happiness is limited. As the age-old adage goes, money can't buy happiness. At least not after a certain point. It would be naive to dictate that money does not have some effect on someone's emotional state. 
I don't think anyone in their right minds makes that argument for a capitalist society. Money is obviously important, but studies have shown that when people reach a certain salary, their life satisfaction stops increasing and begins to plateau. But there is of course that initial increase, which is attributed to being able to afford necessities like the aforementioned healthcare, housing, education, and food. But once all of that is achieved, no one really reports higher levels of happiness, whether they make 100k a year or 200k a year. And if $100,000 doesn't do much to increase mood, then imagine a billionaire. <laughs> it's just beyond me, like I can't even fathom a billion dollars, and I never will because, haha, let me try to build intergenerational wealth as a Muslim woman, child of immigrants, that's funny. Um, there's actually this song on TikTok, TikTok, TikTok? Um, I'm really tired, like the way that I'm just, oh my god, I'm like at the end of the race. And there's not that much energy left, but I can see the finish line. I'm sorry if, like, I've just been low energy. It's, again, Ramadan. I'm not even fasting, that's the thing. But um, if you don't have the pains of hunger uh, rattling around your stomach, then you have the pains of periods rattling around your stomach. So there's always something. Um, what was I gonna say? I'm, like, hot. Oh my god. I'm sweating. Oh my goodness. I don't even know what I was saying. I'm gonna have to cut this whole thing out. Or I'll leave it in for authenticity. Or I'll cut it out because it just is choppy and weird. Or I won't. I guess we'll have to see. Oh yes, song on TikTok. Um, there's this song on TikTok that goes like, No one needs a billion dollars. No one person needs that much money and no truer words have been spoken. I mean, you're just gonna hoard more than half that money anyways. And what's it doing for you sitting pretty in a bank? Not to belabor the point that no one can even acquire that much wealth without exploiting workers. So, capitalism bad. But what are the alternatives? Because as far as I know, communism isn't much better. I mean, look how well it worked out for the Soviet Union and China. I guess there is socialism, which is definitely appealing, but that's gonna be a tough one to implement. As long as a select few super powerful people are making an obscene amount of money, there is absolutely no way that we will ever really abolish capitalism. But screw it. Infiltrate the layers of the reptilian overlords. Occupy Wall Street. Eat the rich. Vive la révolution! Of course, the capitalists will probably just find a way to make money off of that too. We were all there when Pepsi solved police brutality. <laughs> but no matter. I don't think modern-day capitalism is a very sustainable system. It'll fall eventually. Or money, as we know it, will cease to exist and an entirely new economic system will need to be implemented in lieu of the very thing that defines the economy. And when that happens, I'll be ready with a spoon and fork. 
If you found this episode in any way helpful, please consider sharing it with a friends. I just want to reach as many people as I possibly can so I can make the most impact. I'm finally signing off for this session. It's been a long one. But before I leave, I'd just like to remind you that things will get better. So stay optimistic. Just don't be complicit. Until next time. Do, 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 do. Just kidding. No, really, the brain cells are on a low today. They really are. I'm telling you. No one needs a billion dollars. No one person needs that much money. A billion is a thousand million. That's 21,000 years of work at minimum wage to make that money. To hoard like you deserve it. No one makes a billion dollars without exploiting workers.